Welcome to Corner of the Galaxy, the show that talks 100% L.A. Galaxy soccer. We're glad you could join us. Now it's time to sit back and relax as your hosts navigate through the twisting, turning, but never boring world of the five-time MLS Cup champion, L.A. Galaxy. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Corner of the Galaxy on cornerofthegalaxy.com. I'm your host, Josh Guessman. Another off-season version of our wonderful show for you tonight. Recording on November 30th, a Thursday night. Getting ready for another weekend and the start of December. That's right, December is upon us. Some interesting dates coming up that we, will, of course, uh, will, will highlight once again for you in only 53 days. That's right, 53 days. Until your LA Galaxy returned to preseason camp, and Kevin Baxter told you on the Monday show that it looks likely the LA Galaxy will be headed to Tucson this preseason. So if you like uh, the Valley of the Sun, just go south of there to a very horrible place, uh, Tucson, home of the University of Arizona, which is, of course, why I call it a horrible, horrible place as an Arizona State graduate. Uh, For all of you that did graduate from the University of Arizona, I just want you to know that that's okay. Nobody's perfect, and I still love you. All right. Uh, A great show we had on Monday night with Kevin Baxter, and we, of course, got to talk about all the releases that the LA Galaxy made all the option declines, option exercised, and of course the the interesting, um, you know, out of contract players as well with Baggio Husidic and Ashley Cole. Uh, right now, uh, I did talk to some people. They said it's kind of up in the air. Don't know whether or not those guys will be coming back. I still feel pretty confident whenever it comes to Ashley Cole and Baggio Husidic that they would be back. But we are, of course, going to talk about one guy who had his option declined, Jermaine Jones, and who I was very confident would be back with the LA Galaxy, despite the fact that I think it would be a mistake, but would be back with the LA Galaxy in 2018. He had some wonderful comments, and I used wonderful in the most sarcastic tone I could possibly have, Um, and I am, of course, going to give you my thoughts on those comments that he made on his, I I think he's trying to do it weekly now, his Instagram live show, so if you're not an Instagram follower, you're missing one heck of a show from Mr. Jermaine Jones. Uh, But yeah, so we're going to talk about that. But before we even get to that, and of course, I do have a wonderful guest, Brian Dunseth, uh, Fox soccer uh, commentator. Uh, he works for MLS as in-stadium hosts and does a whole bunch of other things. He is, of course, the, the, the color analyst uh, for Real Salt Lake as well, and a guy who has been around this league, who has been in this league, and who has been following this league, and he has some wonderful things to say. I'm sure I'm going to ask him about the LA Galaxy Academy uh, and some some other, maybe some issues that Major League Soccer and the LA Galaxy have right now, and I always look forward to hearing from Brian and his uh, great great takes on all that stuff. So you're going to definitely uh, want to hang around for that coming up here in just a little bit. Uh, but before we get there, some other teams did make some announcements, and it was two teams that we had sort of been waiting for some answers on. Uh, DC United made their announcements of who their players, uh, the, who they exercise options on, and who they didn't. Um, and the reason that that sort of fits around the LA Galaxy right now is I'll tell you two of the players who uh, one had his option decline was Sean Franklin, former LA Galaxy player. Sean Franklin had his option declined, and Marcelo Sarvas um, is out of contract with DC United. So two former LA Galaxy players, two very good LA Galaxy players, out of contract with DC United, or at least free from DC United for right now. Uh, and then uh, one person who of interest for LA Galaxy fans as well, Juninho, did not have his purchase option picked up from 
Tijuana. So he was uh, he was on loan to Chicago Fire. They had a chance to purchase him. They've decided not to do that. So Juninho's fate a little bit up in the air. Will he head back to Liga MX? Will he get playing time there? Or is he looking to make a move inside the United States again? And if that is the case, would he be looking to move back to the LA Galaxy? And could the LA Galaxy possibly need another 100 you know, midfielders as it goes. Would you want Juninho back? You, of course, can always answer questions that I ask you here on the podcast on Twitter at Galaxy Podcast, so make sure you do that if you want. But would you want Sean Franklin? Would you want Marcelo Sarvis? Would you want Juninho? Are any of those guys interested? Sean Franklin plays a role the LA Galaxy currently do not have filled, which is right back. Could you see Sean Franklin coming back into the fold for the Galaxy? Maybe not the player he was whenever he left, one of the best right backs in, uh, in the league whenever he eventually made his way to D.C. United. A casualty of the salary cap, I think uh, certainly can be said. Uh, but I think he's 32 years old now, so a little bit older. Would you want somebody like Sean Franklin back on your team? And you have to throw away the sentimentality with this, all right? You can't just want Sean Franklin back just because he was a former Galaxy player. You have to want him because he fills a need there. And what, and as I always say, and it is the credo, with anything, do you want a player? Sure, you want a player. But what's the price? It doesn't matter who it is. It doesn't matter when it is. Unless you're talking about a designated player, and then I almost don't care about how much money you spend on designated players because it doesn't really matter or affect the salary cap. But with somebody like Sean Franklin, what is the price? How much are you going to have to pay in order to get Sean Franklin on your team? And does that make sense? Is Can you get Sean Franklin for $225,000? Basically, the amount that you're paying Robbie Rogers and Pele Von Anholt? Does that make some sense for you? If it does, and he wants to do it, does he want to come back to L.A.? Does that all make some sense? So, again, all interesting questions, but I wanted to give you sort of heads up on Sean Franklin, Marcelo Sarvis, and Juninho, um, all sort of available right now, which is an interesting turn of events. And as you know, the L.A. Galaxy love to bring guys back that have been gone away. So coming back is always uh, always an interesting option for some of these guys. So that is something I definitely wanted to talk about. All right, uh, before I get to... Uh, uh, Mr. Brian Dunseth, uh, Jermaine Jones did have some some comments to make, and I'm going to hit on that whenever I'm done with Brian. But uh, you just this is an interesting turn of events. As I said, I was so positive that Jermaine Jones would be back with the LA Galaxy in 2018. Siggy Schmidt really seems to like him, but maybe, perhaps, with the things that Jermaine Jones said, do we now think that that's gone? That that's not a possibility to come back? Uh, with the LA Galaxy, and I, I think I'm going to have some some discussions with myself as well uh, about exactly what he said and how we need to take that and how we need to look at that um, and, and how we can kind of frame that conversation. So a lot of fun stuff still coming up after my talk with uh, Brian Dunsa. So uh, let's go ahead and take a, uh, a quick break. Whenever I get back, again, going to be joined by uh, Fox Soccer Commentator, uh, RSL commentator, in-stadium host, a guy who generally cannot do without soccer on a daily basis. Also, I'm serious XM FC on counterattack as well and does a wonderful job there. So Brian Dunsoth will be my guest right after this break. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Corner of the Galaxy on cornerofthegalaxy.com. for some more Corner of the Galaxy? Don't forget to head over to the website for all the latest podcasts, news, and more. 
Visit us online at cornerofthegalaxy.com. Welcome back to Corner of the Galaxy on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Josh, back with you once again after the quick break there, and we move on to the guest I promised you was coming up. Uh, a man who uh, who is a good friend of the show and, quite honestly, is everywhere you could possibly find whenever it comes to Major League Soccer. Does soccer commentator for Fox Sports, Real Salt Lake, MLS, anywhere you can find him. Brian Dunseth is talking about Major League Soccer and soccer in general. So welcome him back to the show, our good friend uh, Brian Dunseth. Dunny, thanks for stopping by, buddy. Yeah, man, thanks for having me. All right. Uh, yeah, I guess as we were talking before we started... Um, you know, there's not a lot of fun things to talk about the LA Galaxy, but there certainly are some interesting <laughs> things to talk about the LA Galaxy. And they have 13 players yeah. on the roster right now, so they get to fit 17 spots here in the in the next uh, 53 days or so before preseason starts. Um, so, I, I mean, you look back at the Galaxy in 2017 and, and just your general thoughts on on the disaster that it was. Yeah, massive disappointment, um, and, and I mean that with. Uh, every level of respect. Uh, it was always going to be tough losing a guy like Bruce Arena. But then when you add the staff, uh, when you look to a massive transition, and I think when you look at a major pivot in terms of kind of the roster philosophy, uh, it was always going to be, um, I think, an, an interesting kind of quote-unquote rebuild. Uh, I was fascinated to see Kurt Analfo and how he would do. I was fascinated to see how uh, Petey Vahenis was going to do as general manager. Um, and kind of this, ideological approach of promoting within and utilizing Galaxy 2. Alessandrini, uh, without a shadow of a doubt, was an absolute knockout of the park. Um, I think uh, outside of that, uh, the rest is kind of to be determined based on your loyalties to the LA Galaxy brand. Yeah, you've seen Siggy Schmidt come into this team. Uh, he brings along Dominic Kinnear, which is an interesting dynamic. Uh, then you get Kurt Schmidt, who who joins the Galaxy and who who is uh, you know wildly lauded as having done a very good job in Seattle. So uh, I've always said I think that that's a high point for the LA Galaxy in terms of uh, getting him on board. Um, what do you think of the people that Siggy has surrounded himself with? What do you think of that direction giving Siggy complete control over personnel? Um, listen, he, he, he's done it and he's done it extremely well, uh, in Seattle in particular and, and bringing in Kurt, I think was a, a really good move. Bringing in Dominic, uh, is kind of a twofold move. Number one, you got a guy that can step into an assistance role who's done it before, but obviously has an incredible amount of success as a head coach, uh, coming off a, a really unseemly termination, uh, with Jesse Fiorinelli and, and, and the San Jose earthquakes, which never really made sense. Um, but I, I think what you're starting to see is a realization that the, the direction that they were heading was obviously not the right decision. Uh, it didn't work out the way it was planned. Uh, people were held accountable for it. Uh, and I think we're starting to see both behind the scenes and on the field that uh, the understanding or at least the recognition that it just wasn't good enough for a brand that has been so successful, so competitive, um, and, and so damn good uh, for so damn long. Yeah, it is. Uh, it is an interesting t- turn of the tides here. Uh, the Galaxy cut ties, and as as a lot of people know, uh, with a bunch of players, cut thirteen players overall. Options declined. Uh, players out of contract. All sorts of fun stuff that that is included in that. Uh, but the the big names and and the ones I wanted to point out, are, or at least the names that are interesting to me, um, Jack McBee, Nathan Smith, Raul Mendiello, Jose Villarreal, and Jaime Villarreal. Those are five homegrown players 
for the LA Galaxy that have been basically uh, had their options declined. And not saying that they all all are gone forever. There is a possibility that some of them come back. But this isn't a negotiating tactic overall when you have guys on minimum salary contract co- uh, contracts that are homegrown players that don't hit the salary yeah. cap. So it wouldn't make any sense to do this unless you were separating from them. Mm-hmm. What what does this say about the LA Galaxy? What does this say about the LA Galaxy Academy, the development system, the the entire string from sort of the, the young kids all the way up to the senior team? What does cutting those five players say about that? If something's wrong. Something's broken. Um, and again, uh, as I'm saying this, I'm, I'm, I, I want to be up. I want to be upfront and, and, and very clear that a lot of the people uh, that are in charge of the LA Galaxy, I consider good friends. Um, something's broken, and whether we want to say at LA Galaxy something's broken or something's broken bigger picture with Major League Soccer, the reality is this just can't happen. And and maybe it's just as simple as to say that when you build rosters in today's MLS world. Uh, it's no longer a salary cap. It's a salary budget. And you have the GAs, you have the homegrown, uh, you, you have the target allocation money, you, you have the designated players, and you can potentially hide all of these young academy kids inside your squad. Because let's be honest, we, 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 we see it with the New York Red Bulls. We see it with FC Dallas. Um, you know, everybody talks about and, and, and pontificates of, oh, they're, they're developing players and they're on the first team roster. Well, the reality is a lot of those young players aren't really playing. And when they're playing, it's not, it, it, it's not that they're dominating. And when LA Galaxy went top-heavy with a lot of their academy kids, what we saw was not a lot of good results. So I, I said this the other day on SiriusXM. Um, if, if, I'm a, if I'm a young player uh, coming up through the Los Angeles soccer scene or kind of the surrounding LA area, man, oh, man, am I running for LAFC. Uh, because what, what, what that indicates to me, all those five players that you named, it's not that maybe, maybe they are not good enough. You know, maybe, maybe they were misidentified as guys that could play at the highest level. Maybe you kind of need that feel good moment each off season where you say, Hey, we have developed a really good player. We think we can make it. Maybe it's as easy as saying as the league grows, young American domestic players are getting left behind because you're adding more foreign based talent that is ready to play. Maybe they need better competition. Maybe psychologically they're not prepared to play at this level. But at the end of the day, this is not a good barometer to be setting this early in Major League Soccer to cut five. I mean, I I can tell you right away, I I started texting some people that I know, and I was like, hey, if you look at the guys at the LA Galaxy just cut, there's one or two players that I think have some potential. Maybe it wasn't the right fit. But I, I, I am quite honestly surprised at one or two names that were released so early in their professional careers. Yeah, it, it seems that way. And, and you said something. If they were misidentified, that that again would point to you know a problem within the organization. Because, granted, and I've always said this, and I'm a proponent of this. When you have when you're trying to develop kids out of an academy, Dunny, you're gonna miss more than you hit. Yeah. Right. I mean, you're, you're yeah. gonna get one or two players every two or three years that actually impact the senior team. Maybe that's too many, too little. Um, but is, is this showing that, Hey, these were all just misses and, it, and it's not that big a deal. There's, you can find others or again, does it go back to a, a bigger problem? I'm, I'm hoping there's, there's some type of wiggle room right down the middle. Um, I mean, listen, I, I, and you and I have been around this league for a long, long time. There are, there are kids that show an immense amount of talent and it's kind of like the, the, 
the, the comparison of taking high school kids and throwing them into D1 colleges, taking D1 players and then throw them into the pro or the USL level or the pro level, pro level, the players, uh, then throwing them into the U S men's national team camp and thinking that because they succeed in major league soccer means that they're automatically U S national team players. It's, it's just massive, massive gulf in talent. Um, but I, I think there's got to be some wiggle room to say it is okay to make mistakes, but to cut five players um, indicates to me that there, there, there is, I don't want to call it an identification process, uh, problem, but th- there's a reality that man, oh man, did, did somebody get this uh, drastically wrong? Because you go into the season and we, we roll back the clocks, what, 10, 10 months ago, um, you know, w- one of the big talking points for the LA Galaxy under Kurt Anolfo was we are going to play the kids that he is very familiar with, that he's had a ton of success with at Galaxy 2 and have won championships at that level with. Right, right. And, and then, then you look at that and y- you didn't get those results. And, you know, I, I almost sit and, I, and I've talked to a bunch of these players who have been cut. Um, and, you know, it, it's interesting to talk to them, Dunny, because you look at it and you from the player perspective, obviously, my, my playing career ended uh, s- slightly before college. Uh, let's just call it that. So, um, you know, you know, I'm not saying I had the experience here, but it, it is about, you know, being the right guy at the right time. And these young kids coming up and developing, Dunny, they were under Bruce Arena for a long time. And Bruce isn't exactly known as a guy who loves to play the young kids, right? Yeah. No, yeah, no, and, and it's a good point. And, and, and again, there's that, that fine line of how do we, and this is a big picture, and this is what Tony Neal and I talk about uh, all the time. And we were talking, Bill Shane and I were talking about what kind of our pay-to-play conundrum in the United States is how can we create environments for kids to develop faster? How can we hold kids accountable and make them more mature both on and off the field? And then at the same time, recognize that, from a head coach's perspective, it is absolutely all about results. We, we have this narrative here in the States that we're developing kids. We're developing kids. We're developing kids. Well, I, don't, I, don't, I think kids are developing themselves. The kids that are developing are the kids that are taking their chances and not letting go. The kids that are developing are mainly defenders and, and defensive midfielders and, and um, goalkeepers. Um, you know, the attacking players, the, the big problem that I see in the near future for Major League Soccer is as we're trying to get better than Liga MX teams and as we're trying to win CONCACAF Champions League and represent CONCACAF at the FIFA Club World Cup, we are opening up the purse strings. We are creating designated players and target allocation money spots and difference makers. Well, difference makers, regardless of the age, most likely are going to be the guys that statistically are making differences. And that inevitably right now is going to be the major stumbling point for young attacking domestic-born players. Because the reality is, if you want to win games and you got money to spend, you're going to go out onto the international market and you're going to find guys that have been there, done that, or at a bare minimum have already proven at a very young age that they're capable of putting up those stats and being different to make it. Is this something the league needs to address now? I mean, we, we obviously it's a big discussion point around the United States missing the World Cup, um, that the U.S. isn't doing its job in terms of developing players. And I'm with you 100. percent And I've said it before that as it is, in my opinion, it is not the LA Galaxy's job to develop young talent. The LA Galaxy's job is to win championships. Um, if a young yeah. person can come in and help them and do that, I think they they'll take that chance and they'll they'll put them on there. But so far, 
um, you know, you can get fired for not winning championships, as we've seen throughout Major League Soccer. You get fired for missing the playoffs. Um, so, yeah. so, so, what's the benefit? And and being there isn't one right now to take a risk on younger domestic-born players. Does the league need to do something? And is it even the league's job to develop talent for the for U.S. soccer as well? Um, I think it's the team's job to develop uh, as an as an internal organization. Um, it's not necessarily up to guys like Ziggy Schmidt on the field to say that I have to introduce, and, and, I, and I really, truly hope that MLS does not do this. I understand the need for it, but I hope it doesn't get to that point where MLS introduces some type of mandatory one guy under the age of 20 has to be on the field or one guy under the age of 22 that's a domestic born or academy player has to be on the field. I, I hope it doesn't get to that point because I, I was – I was a young kid coming out of Cal State Fullerton and Damien High School that, that thrived on being with the New England Revolution um, with guys like Joe Max Moore, with Alexi Lawless, with Lionel Alvarez, the Colombian international Oscar Pereja, um, you know, Chiki Chacon, uh, Walter Zenga, Pepe Galderisi. I can go on and on naming these players, and, and they had such a fantastic effect. And back then, it was 18-man rosters. That, that was the roster in Major League Soccer. Right. So you better be good enough to play. Um, I, again, I, I think the teams are responsible for developing where the coach's responsibility is, is creating the atmosphere, not only of training sessions, but of individual accountability to provide players with the best possible scenario to develop in real time. Um, I, am, I, I am certainly not taking it out of the hands of the players because I think one of the biggest problems right now that young players are facing is not only kind of the, at times, emotional insecurity, uh, but is the, the lack of general awareness of what it means to be an out-and-out professional athlete every single day, every single breath, and, and recognizing that it can be over uh, before it even started. And, and I think at, at a bare minimum, you know, as I was saying, kind of run towards LASC's direction, if I'm already underneath the umbrella of the LA Galaxy, holy hell, am I taking into account in real time what just happened to those five players and doing everything in my power as, as, a, as an accountable adult or an accountable young person to recognize that, man, oh, man, I, I better raise my level in every way, shape, and form to not end up like one of these stories. Yeah, I was going to say, if there's any positive to this, if you can look at it from uh, from a young academy player, seeing that now maybe there's more opportunities in front of you. Five guys just got let go who came through the academy. Yeah, it didn't work out for them. Maybe I can turn that around and make it work out for me. So uh, I, I like yeah. that. I like sort of the positive twist there on the end. All right, Denny, we'll let you go. Uh, we certainly appreciate it. Make sure you follow Brian Dunseth on Twitter, at Brian Dunseth, but you were probably already doing that. Dunny, anything exciting coming up for you in the uh, next couple of weeks? Uh, just about to freeze my tail off up in Toronto. So I'm heading to the MLS Cup final, go host the in-stadium stuff, do the stuff with SiriusXM, and uh, just have a blast, man. All right. Well, enjoy the trip. Stay warm, and I'm sure we'll talk to you again very soon. Uh, thanks, thanks for stopping Sounds by, Donnie. Appreciate it. Talk to you, brother. All right, see ya. There goes uh, Brian Dunseth. Whenever I get back, uh, we, of course, will talk some more LA Galaxy. I have a couple uh, maybe hot takes or maybe some reaction to Jermaine Jones's comments that he made uh, just recently. So hang in there. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Corner of the Galaxy on cornerofthegalaxy.com.
recording from COG Studios and not their mom's basement. It's Corner of the Galaxy. All right, welcome back. Final, final segment here for us uh, for tonight, a Thursday show. Uh, not, not a super long show, but I still got some some interesting things to sort of go over. Again, 53 days until the preseason begins. Uh, still have the holidays to go through. I expect that things will start to get a little bit quieter until we lead right up to after MLS Cup. Obviously, you have that going on right now. Um, Seattle and Houston will be playing actually after I'm done recording the show, so I don't know what is happening there, but we all know MLS Cup will be hosted in Toronto, and Toronto FC certainly looks the favorites, regardless of uh, Seattle, who look likely to advance, and uh, or, or Houston, whoever makes it. Um, it would be a big turnaround for Houston to be there. Uh, I imagine that it's going to be a rematch. I imagine we're going to see uh, Toronto FC and the Seattle Sounders, but being I get to record this before that game is over, there's lots of chances for shenanigans and crazy stuff to happen, so uh, you can all laugh at me whenever I'm wrong, if I'm wrong, or hopefully uh, I'm right on this one. So it'll be interesting to sort of see how that goes. All right, uh, uh, the LA Galaxy, um, you know, sort of preparing again for the off-season calendar, and and we've gone over this calendar before with you, but I again want to highlight some of those important dates that are just around the corner. Really, it all starts with the December 10th half-day trade window, again, a 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. window, four hours of trading possible uh, that starts on December 10th, and then you have, finally, the option exercise deadline for the MLS Cup participants, so whoever ends up being that, they'll also have to figure who's staying and who is going, and then a blackout period begins where clubs may no longer sign and or trade their own draft-eligible players in the co- until the conclusion of the expansion draft, and that expansion draft, LAFC joining the league starts on December 12th, um, and then at 1 p.m. after this, the, the uh, expansion draft at 11 a.m., I believe, uh, after at 1 p.m. free agency begins. So that will be another interesting twist for the L.A. Galaxy. Uh, there have been some names popping up. I'm just going to say that, you know, don't be surprised whenever some free agents make their way to the L.A. Galaxy. Uh, I know of one that's a possibility that wants to be in Los Angeles. If I get some more information about that, I will, of course, let you know who that is, uh, when that is. But right now, it's a it's a little iffy and sort of up in the air. But um, don't be surprised. Again, there are some players who still want to be in Los Angeles. Despite everything that has happened with the L.A. Galaxy, um, there are players who still want to live on the West Coast and be in Southern California. And whether that's with LAFC or LAFC, LA Galaxy, the LA Galaxy are still going to get the benefit of the doubt with that whenever it comes to weather and everything else. So I, I still think that there are, there does seem to be value and there does seem to be people interested in the LA Galaxy um, as we get to free agency beginning uh, again on December 12th. All right. Uh, December 13th at 1230 PM, you have the waiver draft. December 15th is the first stage of the, uh, of the re-entry draft. And then the second stage is held on December 21st which is the second stage of the re-entry draft. Uh, the LA Galaxy have the first pick in the waiver draft, the re-entry draft stage one, and the re-entry draft stage two. So again, the LA Galaxy positioned to pick up you know, a couple of players um, in these drafts, and you know, if they find value, they're going to be the ones who can look out there and see if they can find value more than anybody else. So again, this may be a way that we start to see the LA Galaxy filling one of those 17 roster spots that's sort of up in the air. If you could say 15, if you think Ashley Cole and Baggio Husidic are coming back, then 15 roster spots still need to be filled. It's a lot of work and Siggy Schmidt it has a lot of flexibility with both Tam, the amount of targeted allocation money he has. There's general allocation money in play here um, and you know salary cap as well. With only 13 players on there, I have to imagine the LA Galaxy look pretty good. So those are the dates again that I wanted to reiterate so that way everybody knows what is going on. 
All right, now we get to uh, my favorite topic. Or, you know, before I even get to my favorite topic, somebody wrote in, Alex wrote in, uh, he asked for a topic for discussion for tonight, is could we see Janino back in LA Galaxy? I wanted to shout out to Alex who who made me, um, who who sort of put this idea, and that's why I talked about it in, in the first segment there. So, Alex, I hope I, uh, I, I did your justice, your topic justice there. Should Janino come back? I would tend to think no right now. Uh, the LA Galaxy don't want to spend that money. They have a bunch of midfielders. You know, it, unfortunately, it's a crowded midfield. I just don't see the Galaxy picking up any more midfielders right now. And even though it's Juninho, and I know there's lots of people who would want him back, and he had a really good year with Chicago, it's still going to be a stretch for the LA Galaxy to try to bring him back um, and have to go through and, and figure out a, either a loan deal or a purchase option from uh, Tijuana and, and, and the Jolos there and see if they can work something out. So it seems like too far of a stretch. All right, as I alluded to before, I talked to Brian Dunseth. I told you Jermaine Jones was busy on his Instagram account doing an Instagram live session. Stu Holden even dropped by because, you know, on Instagram live, you can ask somebody to join in or somebody can request to join in. Stu Holden was asking Jermaine uh, questions. So it was uh, it was entertaining. Uh, I think he says he's going to try to do it every Tuesday from now on. So, uh, you know, mark your calendar, set your watches. It's 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 appointment of viewing for sure. Uh, but there were some quotes that came out of this, and Jermaine Jones never wanted to shy away from saying the inflammatory thing, uh, the controversial thing, uh, trying to be, I think, as real as he thinks he's being. Uh, but he hit a couple duds with some of this stuff. Uh, one that I'll get to right now, and this stuff was all sort of uh, transcribed by MLS transfer at MLS transfers on Twitter. And I was watching some of this. I did not get to hear these ones. I did go back and listen to the replay. So uh, these seem pretty accurate uh, representations of the quotes. Uh, and it, it says Jermaine Jones. One of these says, "To be honest, I'm standing off MLS right now. I think the I think with all the salary cap, it's a little tough to say." Other countries can spend money to make teams good. The league quality is still behind really far. Nothing super controversial there. We all realize that the salary cap certainly puts MLS at a disadvantage, especially with Jermaine Jones being linked to possibly moving to Liga MX and, and how that would you know uh, affect his livelihood. You can understand that even as a mid-level player, if he was able to find a place down there, that he would probably be making more money there than he would in Major League Soccer. But the fact that he starts saying, I'm standing off of MLS right now, certainly leads us to believe that Jermaine Jones no longer sees himself in the LA Galaxy's, uh, you know, view or at least the possible selection. I was convinced the LA Galaxy were going to try to negotiate his contract down uh, in order to get, you know, uh, some better value out of out of that very overpriced contract. Uh, this is a guy right now who played uh, 20 games in 2017, which is great when you consider he played nine games in 2016 for the Colorado Rapids, but was making seven hundred and twenty-two thousand um, dollars. Suspensions, injuries obviously led to that, uh, led to a, a, a lot less playing time. But, you know, some of those suspensions were certainly because of, uh, well, in the Atlanta game, he gave up. I mean, I don't know how you can watch that game and not say, hey, the Galaxy are beating 4 nothing. Jermaine Jones gets a red card. It was pretty obvious. And that was it. I, 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 remember, this is a guy who's the captain as well. And so that's the next part of this that gets to you. And this is the quote that I think has everybody in an uproar. And I'm going to try to put it in a little bit of context before I give you my thoughts on it. And I think I've been pretty clear on Twitter, but uh, if not, I'm going to try to be clear here. Uh, Jermaine Jones says, uh, the Galaxy is one of the biggest franchises in MLS, but the supporters only support the big players, not the club. Again, the Galaxy is one of the biggest franchises in MLS, but the supporters only support the big players, not the club. That's Jermaine Jones. Um, okay. Let's let's just start and and let's start at the very beginning of this and and break this down a little bit because uh, 
this is this is a blow to I think supporters, and I can understand why. He's taking a shot at the supporters. It's the people who show up every game. Now he could have said casual fans, and you know maybe the the German to English translation of this isn't as simple as that. Maybe you sit there and go, you know, that doesn't work for me as well. Uh, whenever you try to translate that out, if you're giving him the benefit of the doubt, and I want to give him a little leeway on this, just for right now, and then again, I'm I'm gonna I, I have some things to say. I'm, this is this is this is gonna go somewhere. I promise. Um, He's saying that the that the, the the supporters only support the big players. If you go back um, and you look at this season, particularly 2017 season, but you can pull up examples throughout the LA Galaxy's history, is that the Galaxy and Los Angeles are certainly a team that need to have star players. And I've said it on this podcast so many times, I'm sure you guys are sick of it. You can probably repeat my mantra that I say whenever it comes about what the LA Galaxy need to do. The LA Galaxy need to have stars, and they need to win. And if you're missing either one of those, it won't matter what you do, you're not going to have people fill that stadium up. And at 27,000 people, it's a lot of people to fill up. Or 25,000, however many you want to say it is, because I think they constantly change that number. Uh, although, again, I think I, one time I was invited to count all the seats because I said I don't believe the number. Um, so maybe we'll have a party. Maybe maybe that's an idea. We'll all go count the seats at the StubHub Center. <laughs> Sounds like a good time. But anyway, it's a, it's a hard venue to fill all the way up. And whenever you get... You, and that's not, that's not a knock on the LA Galaxy. Although there certainly is things I think they could do to, to increase attendance, all right? Um, but it, it's a knock on all LA franchises, LA sports. I mean, even the Lakers, the demand for tickets isn't as high right now because the Lakers aren't as good, although they're on an upswing. So, I mean, it's starting to get some of that that juice back. It's starting to get some of that 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 excitement back. But it hasn't been that way for a while. It used to be you couldn't get a Lakers ticket. It didn't matter what game it was. Um, so, you know, you, you look at that and you say, okay, you know, not even the Lakers are immune from it. Not even the Dodgers are immune. Granted, the Dodgers have great attendance, but, uh, this year they, you know, they're through the roof. They're one of the better teams, but there were years there where again, people would show up, but it's not the full on, you know, sellout crowds and the excitement and the energy that you see there. And if the Kings aren't good, they don't fill up. If the Clippers aren't good, they don't fill up. If the Ducks aren't good, they don't fill up. It's a pretty easy thing to sort of look at. You have to have excitement. You have to have stars. And without those, you know, exciting players, you have to have wins. You have to have those stars. Without that, you're not going to fill this up. So you're looking at this right now, and, and you can say, hey, you know, the if you're saying the casual fan, the overall L.A. fan doesn't show up if there's not big names, then you're right. He's right about that. All right? So we'll, we'll, we'll let him say that. If that's what he was trying to say, then he's correct. The casual fan does not show up to StubHub Center unless David Beckham is playing, unless Steven Gerrard is playing. And I know a lot of you are saying you're crazy, but he did fill seats. Uh, it wasn't the seats I'm sure most of you were hoping they would fill. Uh, Giovanni Dos Santos fills seats to some extent. All right, but you look at them. They had stars. We'll say they had stars this year. Let's just we'll just glance over that. They had stars this year, and they didn't win, and nobody showed up. Now, saying that, I think they finished sixth overall in the league with attendance. So, I mean, they're certainly not near the bottom. They still had people show up, but we all know that tickets distributed and the crowds that were in the stadium are two different things as well. And there was no excitement. And quite honestly, I'm sure there were season ticket holders and I'm sure there were supporters who decided not to go anymore because they didn't want to have another disappointing day at StubHub Center. All right, so that's, that's true if that's what he was trying to say, that the casual fans don't show up if there's not big names. But what he misses and what he fails to sort of enunciate here is that that team in 2017 was crap. 
All right. He didn't get supported because I don't think anybody, any supporters believed that he was somebody who was fighting for the club and who was a guy that they wanted to back and support. You know who got support for this club was Roman Alessandrini, a guy who went out there and left his, you know, heart on the field every single game, which makes sense. That makes sense to me. I have no problems with that. Um, Emmanuel Boateng got support because the guy kid goes out there and just plays and plays until he can't play anymore. Um, you look at the guys who got to even Yella Von Dom in 2016. Why was he so successful? He's not a big name, all right. And I can have people, and I've had people from other teams because I said, look who got success. Look who got the support in 2017. Guys like Roman Alessandrini, guys like Emo Boateng. And somebody goes, you can't say Roman Alessandrini is a support player. I go, I didn't say he was a support player. He's not a big name. Most of most of you and myself included didn't know who Roman Alessandrini was beforehand. All right, he comes into this team, makes two million dollars, and is the best offensive player on the team, and is a guy who just goes out there and bleeds for the team. If you're a fan and you're sitting in the seats, that's what you want to see, right? That's what you want to see. You don't want to see Giovanni Dos Santos go out there making five point five million dollars and only scoring three goals from the run of play and looking generally uninterested. For the most part, you don't want to see Jermaine Jones, who gets you know suspended and who has disciplinary problems, and who's I think, in my opinion, and knowing and talking to players, this is an educated opinion on this, was a serious problem in the locker room this year. All right, Jermaine Jones could be a reason why players do not want to come back next year. Let's say Ashley Cole, somebody like Ashley Cole, wants to come back and play. If Jermaine Jones is such a problem that we've heard in the locker room, do you think Ashley Cole wants to come back and play with Jermaine Jones? You know that this is these are the types of things. So Jermaine Jones is trying to. I don't know. Is he bitter? Is he bitter? The LA Galaxy are cutting ties with him because it certainly seems like there's a split now and there's a there's definitely a separation here where the LA Galaxy don't seem to be interested in Jermaine Jones or if they are, Jermaine Jones has a weird way of sort of trying to get back on the team because he goes after supporters in this. He says the Galaxy is one of the biggest franchises in Major League Soccer, but the supporters only support the big players, not the club. Here's the thing. Somebody brought this point up to me um, and said, hey, maybe he wasn't talking about the supporters in this. Maybe he was talking about the club, saying the club only supports in terms of the front office only supports the big players and not the young players, that they treat the big players differently, that they, they don't necessarily look at the big players as part of the whole team. And if that's what he's trying to say, then that's a whole different conversation we need to have. But that's not the way I heard it, and that's not the way it was expressed here, all right? The LA Galaxy, and as much as people would like to say, people who aren't from here, by the way, because I got all sorts of opinions from people who don't live in Los Angeles, who don't live in Southern California and don't understand the sports market here, and I even got comments from LAFC fans who think that they're going to somehow be immune from the LA marketplace, and that if they have a crappy team, that people are still going to show up and watch it. In the first couple of years, yeah, that may be true. Of course it always is, right? Look at the L.A. Rams. They come back from St. Louis. First year, everybody was there. They're winning now. Is the attendance thing an issue? You know, I've certainly heard people complain about it. I've also heard, I think, they capped the stadium at 55,000, so there's always going to be empty seats. You know, there's there's still, there isn't that much, you know, excitement built around them, but you're in the L.A. sports market. You win championships. You have stars. You'll get people to show up. That's it. It's that simple. LAFC is not exempt from this because they think that they have somehow tapped into a location issue that is going to change everything. Guess what? The Rams play at the Coliseum right next door. They don't they did did they tap into a location issue that you think was somehow missing 
No, they didn't. The Lakers play. The Clippers play. All these teams play. Like in downtown, they play, quite honestly, in a better part of downtown than, you know, than the South Central, you know, uh, Exposition Park that's right there. They play in downtown, you know, L.A. live areas right there. Do Are they exempt from, from the L.A. marketplace? No, they're not. So, you know, Jermaine Jones sitting here saying that, you know, that it's just the L.A. Galaxy Club that they, that these supporters don't support you know, the the smaller players out there is ridiculous. Look at Alan Gordon was was worshipped as a god. You know, look at what happened whenever the LA Galaxy traded AJ De La Garza. There are people who canceled their season tickets. All right, there's people who have canceled their season tickets because they don't want to see Jermaine Jones on the field anymore. They don't want to see Giovanni Dos Santos. So if you're talking about the casual fan, sure, you can go ahead and put this on the casual fan and say, yes, absolutely. The LA Galaxy casual fans will show up for stars and don't really care that much about the rest of the team. Is that true? Absolutely. But that's not, you're not talking about the core. The core that had to suffer through the worst season in franchise history. And he's making this comment after he was part of that team that did that to the supporters. Would they win three games at home all year? Three games at StubHub Center, and Jermaine Jones wants to pin the supporters down for not supporting the club. I'm pretty sure the supporters and the people who were there were still in the stadium the final home game of the year whenever the all had been lost, and the only thing the LA Galaxy were possibly trying to do is not have the worst ever franchise record at home, and, and they did, and then they were just trying to not have the worst ever MLS record at home, which they somehow avoided. But Jermaine Jones wants to go out and say that. That's interesting. All right? He seems to be a guy who likes to burn bridges. Again, 28 games in two seasons or one and a half seasons with New England, 2014-2015. Nine games with Colorado in 2016. 20 games with the LA Galaxy in 2017. Guy just sort of, you know, every, every 12 months or so seems like he needs to find another team to play with. Why is that? Is it because he's not a good teammate? Because... This sort of seems to lead, you know, these comments like this sort lead me to believe he seems to be very centered around himself. That he thinks he has the answers for everything. And if you listen to his Instagram, he takes on ProRel and everything else. So, I mean, maybe he does have the answers for everything. Maybe we're not listening with the right ears on this one. Again, if he's talking about the club, which somebody certainly suggested may have been his point in all this, that he was talking about the club not treating the quote-unquote little players the same as the big players. I would agree. I think they don't. And I think it is an issue. All right, but that doesn't seem like what he's saying. Again, the final, I'm going to say it one more time. Galaxy is one of the biggest franchises in Major League Soccer, but the supporters only support the big players, not the club. Is that a guy who you want on your team? Is that a guy you want in the trenches next to? Is a guy who's going to call out supporters when the complete opposite is true, that LA Galaxy supporters, the people who are at the StubHub Center every single home game, all right, who have season tickets, who are financially invested in this club, do they only support big players? Because I think Giovanni Dos Santos wishes that that were true right now. All right? And Jonathan Dos Santos is going to wish that's true too because he's getting lumped in with his brother, which is unfair to him probably, but it's still going to be a problem. You know, does Steven Gerrard want some more support from the LA Galaxy? supporters, because I think he would like it as well. Sure, David Beckham redeemed himself, but look at all the stuff that happened before that. Look at all the things. He goes to AC Milan on loan. 
LA Galaxy supporters were not happy with that. Again, he they did not support David Beckham until he took this league seriously and took the team seriously. So if you want LA Galaxy supporters to support you, if you want Los Angeles as a whole to support you, you need to take this seriously. And Jermaine Jones somehow throwing this on the supporters' feet is embarrassing for him. All right, it's embarrassing. That shouldn't be the way this is done. That shouldn't be the way this is handled. That is not what happens for a player who plays for any team. And if this was in any market, they wouldn't get away with what they said in this particular case. All right, I'd love to hear your takes on it as well. If you think I'm off base, if you think it's true, the LA Galaxy supporters only support big names, please provide all the evidence and send it over to cornerofthegalaxy at gmail.com or hit me up on Twitter at Galaxy Podcast. But for my money, that is one of the most off-base comments I possibly have ever heard from a player who was not only wearing the LA Galaxy badge, the crest, but was the captain of the team. Right, the captain of the team over Ashley Cole. That doesn't make any sense to me. Doesn't make any sense to me at all. We'll see if if Jermaine Jones ends up back with the uh, the club in 2018 and what that means for you as a supporter if Jermaine Jones is back on this team in 2018. Right now, I would say there's a, a very slim chance of that happening. It just seems that way. It seems from his comments that that's not how it's happening. All right, was that fun? Did, did I talk about it enough? It was probably too long. I probably you're probably saying Josh, shut up, and I I understand that. I. I my wife says that to me all the time, so it wouldn't surprise me at all. All right, uh, let's see. We're going to go ahead and uh, end this show. Call it a night. All right, we will have another show coming up on Monday for you with Mr. Kevin Baxter. We'll try to figure out what we're going to talk about whenever there's probably going to be no news. I don't. Maybe we'll just tell you about our days in general that have nothing to do with the LA Galaxy. I don't know. We'll, we'll figure something out on Monday night for sure. All right, uh, let's see. want to thank Brian Dunstan for coming on the show, as always. And, of course, uh, you know, head on over to the website, cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can read our articles there, uh, at Galaxy Podcast on Twitter, at Jay Guessman on Twitter. All right. Uh, for Mr. Brian Dunsa, I'm Josh Guessman. You've been listening to Corner of the Galaxy on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Have a great one, everybody. You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast. And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. And for all of your independent LA Galaxy news, discussion, and entertainment, including this podcast, head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com. Fans, thanks for listening. We ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Araujo, and on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everybody.